Oh, it's wonderful watching everybody pop in. <laughs> yes. Hello, everybody. I don't know, here in the Midwest, we wave. Whether we're driving in cars or watching people on the screen, we wave. So. Hello, everyone. Let's go ahead and begin and let those who are coming just arrive. It's so good to see all of you today. Actually, I want to greet you with um, good morning, good day, and good evening to you all wherever you are joining in on this date, 2-22-22. I understand this is an auspicious day that won't come around again for another 178 years. I'm Suzanne Kilkis, and trusted teacher here in Madison, Wisconsin. Flint has asked us to offer inquiry while he is away. Right now, he is at the end of a retreat at the Hui Ho'olana. So I'm grateful for this opportunity. As we begin today, I want to acknowledge our teachers and guides Flint and Peg, and to bow to the native peoples whose land we live on. Here in Madison, Wisconsin, it is the land of the Ho-Chunk people, and it is also a gathering place for over 12,000 years of many tribes coming together as we do today to be with each other. This land holds and supports us. I also acknowledge this being Black History Month and the continued opportunity for learning and repairing what we can. I offer the intention that our practice together contributes to healing the wound of supremacy and racial disregard in our hearts and minds as we move toward creating an embodied anti-racist white culture. I will be offering some thoughts today on skillful means, the choices and actions we take that express the Dharma in our lives, relationships, and the world. So using the skillful means of conscious breathing, awareness, and intention, let us sit in silence for 10 minutes together.
for those of you who weren't here at the beginning before we, as we started uh, meditation, I said today that I'm going to be offering some thoughts on skillful means, which are the choices and actions we take that express the Dharma in our lives, our relationships in the world. And it seems to me that reciting the verse of the road is one of the best supports for developing skillful means. So let's recite it together. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Welcome again, everyone. So good to see you all here. In the last month, as I wintered in the Southwest for a few weeks, I had numerous opportunities to engage with people on deep concerns in their lives. And it struck me that what we were always talking about was what are the skillful means that will help us navigate a difficult situation. In the early lines of the Xinxing Ming, it says, the way isn't difficult for those unattached to their preferences. This is one of those tricky teachings in Zen. It starts out with an encouraging statement, the way isn't difficult, and then comes the twist. For those unattached to their preferences, there's the rub. Here is the need for skillful means, as it is so conditionally human to be attached to our preferences what to do. Here are a couple of stories that reflect this. A close member of my family is embroiled in conversations with people of color in an organization he's very involved with. After many years of devoted service to this organization, which focuses on organizing and, and delivering resources to migrants especially in the desert where concerns for survival are paramount. He was being told he had racist attitudes as a white man, that these attitudes of his and other white people were harming people of color and intimidating the people of color who were part of the organization. At first, this was completely bewildering to him as he did not see himself and the others in this view he was willing to take a look at what was being said, and so he engaged in study of the effect of whiteness and systemic racism. But he noticed how quickly defensiveness arose in him whenever he was in conversations where this came up. In our conversations, he asked what he was not seeing, what was needed to be attended to, and how to attend to it. Out of our conversations, he was able to use the skillful means of curiosity the last time he was told how afraid a woman of color was to be in a meeting with three white men 
who she knew from working with them previously. When she told them this, he asked her kindly what that was about and to tell him more. She thanked him for asking that no one had ever asked her that before and recognizing his genuine question, she was able to talk about her mother's and her experience of being belittled and dismissed by white men over the course of their lives. This helped his defensiveness to, to dissolve and opened the conversation in a new way. Of course, this isn't the end of the story for the people involved. The racial reckoning of our time is long, wide, and deep. However, the skillful means of kind curiosity that triggers awakening to one's own blindness is a good beginning. At least, that was the experience of my family member. Another skillful means story is of a different sort. I know of someone whose partner of many decades died last year following a very difficult illness and ending. His first response to her death was the surfacing of all the anger held back in their relationship. His rageful actions in attempting to eliminate her presence from their house was a huge surprise to those few who knew about what was happening. After several months of what felt like a drastic reaction, he came upon Thich Nhat Khan's book, How to Love. He was completely taken with it and declared that it had changed his life forever. He realized he never knew how to invite his partner to join him in the loving relationship he always wanted with her. So he decided that he could invite her spirit to be with him in a loving way now. This has changed him in previous unimaginable ways. And for those of us who witnessed, who witnessed this, we had to reassess what the need for the anger was. Maybe it was an unexpected skillful means in order to make way for Thich Nhat Hanh's teaching and the love that followed. This was clearly a message in not being attached to our preferences. Asking ourselves or seeking guidance on skillful means is an essential action on the Bodhisattva path of expressing the Dharma in our small and bigger world. Sharon Salzberg tells a story of one of her teachers, Man, uh, Manadra, who she was hosting with some pride about the early development of mindfulness in the West. He said, oh, it is wonderful. And there's just one thing. Some of these people in the West remind me of people sitting in a rowboat and with great sincerity and earnestness, they are row, rowing and rowing and rowing, but they refuse to untie the boat from the dock. Sometimes I think people are mostly interested in these great transcendent experiences and altered state of consciousness, but they're not at all interested in how they speak to their neighbor or how they are with their children. This is another kind of those teachings that start with a sweet acknowledgement, but then delivers a fierce image that hopefully awakens the hearer to consider what areas of life are still tied to the dock. 
and needs go for means. I've been asking that question of myself. So many circumstances present themselves in our lives. Painful losses of all sorts, unwanted changes, unmet desires, conflict avoidance, withheld forgiveness, withheld love. So much makes up this bodhisattva path and is best approached with compassion, curiosity, care, and ease. Although it's not easy, of course, and there is so much help and support being here now and going forward. Like this poem I came across, actually it's the last few stanzas of the poem, Maple Branch Valley Library. 1967. It's in Rita Dove's book, On the Bus with Rosa Parks. Ms. Dove was the first African-American poet laureate of the United States in 1993 to 1995. Here, she is enthusiastically poetic about exploring, learning, and practicing this wonderful, messy life. So I go read Gone with the Wind because it is big and haiku because they are small. I studied history for its rhapsody of dates, lingered over cubist art for the way it showed all the sides of the art once. All the time in the world was there, and sometimes all the world on a single page. As much as I could hold on my plastic cards imprint, I took greedily. Six books, six volumes of bliss, the stuff we human beings are made of, words and sighs and silence, ink and whips, drama and cuisine, corsets and poetry and blood sugar levels. I carried it home, past five blocks of aluminum siding and the old garage where on its boarded up doors, someone had scrawled. I can eat an elephant if I take small bites. Yes, I said, no one in particular. That's what I'm going to do. I really love that line, I can eat an elephant if I take small bites. I read it to my 12-year-old granddaughter and she smiled, that smile of recognition. So much can seem overwhelming and too big to tackle. When we can chunk it down, maybe get assistance, take small bites, we discover in our basic goodness what we are capable of and, and can go forward with. All right, so uh, you're invited right now to come forward with any story of skillful means, anything you're going to do, or something you are considering. It is always a help for all of us for you to come forward. Thank you so much for listening. Maria has given the raise hand um, directions in the chat, I think. So um, if you want to come forward, you know how to do it. Oh, we have, we have Bridget. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Suzanne. It's so, so good, good to see you. you. Yes. Well, I'm, I am, um, of course, like all of us, trying to develop skillful means, but you're a metaphor to having your boat tied to the 
to the dock and keep rowing um, is sort of the point at which I am now. I've, um, it's, it has to do with a project to help get a, a new fence put up for my, between myself and my neighbors and then the ones next down. So I said I would do these, write out some specification guidelines so we can get some um, bids, but I'm really, really stuck. And I'd be interested in your thoughts and ideas on how, I mean, I've tried to be curious about why I'm resisting doing this and getting the details together. I mean, I've gathered information and I've gone down and take photographs, but I've, I haven't felt so stuck in this way in a long time. And mm -hmm. I'd be interested in what your thoughts are on how to, mm -hmm. to. Thank you for bringing that forward, Bridget. Because it's a I real heard. practical problem. Pardon? Say that again? A practical, it's a real practical. Well, that's, that's the everyday stuff of skillful means. It's what we need our skillful means for, isn't it? Right. Yeah. My first thought, Bridget, is um, to suggest to you to tune into your body and where you pick up that, what you're calling stuckness. Mm -hmm. Where do you notice it? Um, in my neck and shoulders and to some extent my stomach just this tightness uh, neck and shoulders and stomach tightness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so as you name it what do you notice is there any changing as i notice it, well obviously it's it's it, it's helpful just to admit this mm -hmm. so there's some relief in just naming it and saying i'm And also, I feel almost an inner resistance. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what our shoulders, anything in our shoulders acknowledge mm -hmm. or are, are acting out. And so, th so that's what your body is saying. And our belly is always the source of any fear mm -hmm. or scare. Mm -hmm. So that's, how, that's the first thing I think of when something shows up in bellies is what's the fear here? Right. Without making it wrong in any way? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's just um, probably because I don't know that the other two neighbors will agree. I've probably some fear out of, of um, conflict avoidance or, or a feeling that I won't get it right or mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, um, my family member whose story I told about he said to me, because he was doing another piece of this conversation, and he said to me, he was remembering a, a quote by Yogi Berra, who said something like, let go of perfection so you can do it good enough. <laughs> well, that would be a very good idea for me, because I, there, being a perfectionist is, is an adjective mm -hmm. that's used with me, so mm -hmm. let go of perfection to be good enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't know how the other people involved are going to respond mm -hmm. to what we're offering. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. What we can only do is to name our intention mm -hmm. and see about what would put that forth in you know, the best way we can, mm -hmm. the good enough way we can. Mm -hmm. Well, this is very helpful. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I'm glad you've been able to speak with me, and I'm appreciative of all the presence of all these other people who 
mm -hmm. who I know are in their process of becoming a Bodhisattva. I'm sure that there are others who have very similar, if not the same content, very similar experience with this, Bridget. So thank you for coming forth. All right. Thank you, Suzanne. So good to be with you. And we have Becky next. Hello, Becky. Hello, Suzanne. Thank you for being here. Yes. Um, I, I have a, a story of something that I felt was pretty good means, <laughs> you know, um, that I'd like to share. And partly because it intertwines with, uh, uh oh, just a minute. I, can you come back later, Ramiz? Thank you. So the story starts with the fact that I currently live in a, an assisted living. And uh, well, recently I've moved here. And um, that I've been delighted because, I mean, it really is a whole world of people that I can be with and try to help respond to the suffering that's all around me. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful place. I mean, you know, it's like I'd been in just the Sangha really with a lot of the work that I was doing because I was not living somewhere where I interacted much. And so this has been uh, quite wonderful uh, to have a place with people that I can be using my practice. And um, so I have uh, two friends that, that eat at the same table as me in the dining room. And they really quite love each other, but they they bump into each other all the time in terms of, of uh, their interactions. And um, and so uh, my friend Jenny was was very upset the other day uh, because of Gary's. Uh, she felt that he was speaking meanly to her and and was angry with her about something and so on. And so I said, well, you know, I mean, I was there when that happened. And I said, that isn't really what I saw going on. And I'd share with you what I perceived if you want to kind of thing. And she said, yes, please. And I said, um, what I saw was somebody who loves you a whole lot and saw that a circumstance was causing you um, more pain. It was that her wheelchair hasn't been fixed for a number of weeks and, and she's been in more physical pain and also distraught in relationship to it. And, uh, but he's, he's gruff. He's a lumberman. I mean, that's, that's who he is. And so he's gruff about things and he, and so on. But everything I see in him is that he stands up for someone who's being hurt. He gets himself right in the middle of things often and in trouble because he, it goes in there for anybody that, that is being harmed by something. And I said, that's what I saw. And yes, he said it because he was angry at them, not you. He said it in a way that, you know, and she said, oh, that hadn't occurred to me. And so we had a long discussion around it. So I felt that was, you know, it was an effective way to open it up without saying, you know, uh, you're overreacting or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that, that often conveys when you try to tell a story. You know, like try to tell someone back what your perception is. They, often feel uh, that you're, I, I don't know. Anyway, but 
But the part too that, that felt really useful to me of what you were talking about was about the elephant. And uh, because, because even though I'm not out in the great big world, I am here where there are 60 residents and probably some 40 or more staff that have hard lives. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed, but at least I have my own unit. I can come and be solitude. Uh, but I, I really appreciated the idea of, yes, you know, if you take small enough bites. So I wanted to thank you for that as well. You're very welcome. And I, I want to thank Rita Dove, the poet who, who gave us that line, I can eat an elephant if I take small enough bites. Um, what I'm really struck with in what you're telling Becky, is um, the, the first skillful meme, it seems to me, was you saying, oh, I have a different perspective on what I saw. And the second one was, if you would like to hear it, which was asking for permission, which I think, I think often is missed by people. We just kind of charge right in with, I've got a better idea. And um, it's obvious to me that your practice really has given you that uh, a way of creating space and inviting other people so thank you so much thank you and thank you sheila my friend sheila who's here who encouraged me by her experience to consider an assisted living place mm -hmm. what you said about this is a small world well most of us don't have 100 people in our world <laughs> so <laughs> this is a world right it is. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. We have Cassie next. Hello, Cassie. Hi. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a bit more nervous this time in sharing what, what I have to share because I think I'm going to reflect a little bit of my inner dialogue that I'm not as proud of. And so my skillful means question is um, around being helpful. And sometimes um, um, uh, like if somebody, like I have several friends with teenagers now and the teenagers are all really struggling. And so I'm having conversations with the parents and really wanting to be helpful without being a parent um, and wanting to, you know, really hear what they are having to say and I feel like that my that my responses <sighs> what I'm noticing in my responses is my ego saying oh look how helpful I am look what I have to say you know is really going to impact these people and then that I, I can tell that that takes me out of the moment it takes me out of connecting with them and, and then I just sort of, you know, I'm going through that in my mind and, and in conversations with them just end up kind of sitting there dumbfounded, you know, and I feel like then I'm not saying like anything at all because I have this swirling dervish going on in here. Okay. <laughs> so, Cassie, if you took away the judgment about this part of you. <laughs> You know, you know, this is 
So if we took away the judgment of this and you ask yourself, what's the benefit of this part of me? What, what's this part of me trying to help me with? What's the benefit? So, uh, so, so say it again, I don't quite understand. This part of you that you're saying you are admitting this inner dialogue of yours. <laughs> well, what is that part of you? How is that trying to benefit you? What's it wanting to do then? Um, it's, it's telling me that, um, that I've had a sitting practice for a while. It's telling me that I've had a lot of therapy. It's telling me that my basic kind of intuition in life has always been along this path. So thanks. I hadn't framed it like that, like at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when we, when the, the habituated response to ourselves is one of criticism or judgment, that's the first layer that we need to peel in order to be able to ask ourselves, well, what's, what's this part of me trying to tell me? Okay. That, that was really, really helpful. Or <laughs> really, really landed in a wonderful way for me that, mm -hmm. that reframed it in a way that brought it more open. Cassie, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and I would say that I've, I've heard you talk about here in inquiry of how you are with your friends at adolescence. And I can tell you that there's been a number of times when I've wished that I would have had a Cassie in my life <laughs> when I was parenting Thank adolescence. You. you know, because sometimes parents need to hand this stuff off because we're at yeah. a loss, you know? Yeah. Circle of love for ourselves yeah. and for our adolescents. So yeah. I just wanted to give you that piece. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. We have Efrat next. Hello, Efrat. Hi, Suzanne. How nice to meet you here. <laughs> it's just a pleasure to share our friends and our teachers with more people. I will say that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm like your granddaughter, the elephant really got me. <laughs> and so that's what's been going around in my mind. And I thought, well, the elephant in the room. And when Cassie was talking, you know, there's always an elephant in the room. And sometimes you kind of say, well, I'm not dealing with the elephant, which really doesn't work as we know, or you deal with the elephant with unskillful means. And then, you know, the elephant has lots of power and it can really it's no wonder we're afraid of dealing well with an elephant in the room because there is something about those elephants they know something we probably don't want to know and so um i just thought about and the fact that you know the elephant's footprint is the entire universe and i also remembered you know the different people each of them getting a different part of the elephant and trying to define the elephant and having major disagreements. So I thought of Becky's um, sort of illumination of the fact that there are different ways to see the same thing. And all of those, what the advice you gave Cassie, they are ways to actually take little nibbles rather than go for the whole thing. 
is really to address the elephant, which we really need to, we know. There's so many elephants that we can't ignore, um, or we can't for a while, but they're gonna get us. Um, so to really address the elephant, you have to find a way to approach it in a way that's doable, and that you have a sense of that elephant and you have a conversation to be had. And you know, you mentioned some of our greatest elephants in the world, you know, our history, um, the way we treat people in our life, whether privately or collectively, that is really, um, like I said, we really can't ignore for all that long. And so it's imperative that we learn to take nibbles. It's not sort of an option. It's actually an absolute must. And when, when I heard this, the poem, the end of the poem, and how to eat an elephant, I was listening to a very, very impactful um, conversation between um, Resma Menachem and uh, Reverend Kiro, Angel Kiro Williams about hurt versus harm. It was a very difficult um, talk to take in and Resma Menachem in his pretty blunt way was telling you know, white people, what they are, what elephants they're willing to live with. And um, at the end, what he said, his suggestion was take nibbles. He used that word to take nibbles. He didn't ask us to go and charge into the elephant. He was asking us to not sit back and not address the elephant, but to take nibbles. And that he offered us as a, not only a skillful means, but an effective means and a means that would signal to people of color that we are there for the duration and we are addressing and engaging, which I think our practice really requires that we do. So I really appreciate all the ways in which this has come in for me today and connected. Thank you so much. Welcome, Scott. Um, as you were talking about, if we don't address the elephant, the first thought that came to me is, if we don't, if they just end up pooping all over the room, and then we have to clean up all of that, because we can tend to either think, oh, how can I train this elephant, or how can I get it under my control, or what's the best way to do this or that, and we, we just spend and spin our wheels, and the older that we get, the bigger waste of time that is. Not that it hasn't been a big waste of time anyway all along. So thank you for bringing that up. I too listened to that interview, to that conversation, and I remember him saying, take nibbles, take nibbles. And that's the best way to eat anyway, rather than gobbling everything down, right? Yeah. Thank you so much. We have Eileen next. Hello, Eileen. Hi, Suzanne. Yes, you've learned to wave, Eileen. Suzanne <laughs> has learned to wave, yes. I've adopted the Midwest ways. Yeah, yes. Um, mm -hmm. um, I want to thank you so much for the subject of your offering today. I uh, have felt very much like on that boat 
you know, paddling and paddling and paddling and, and, and knowing that the boat, feeling that the boat is, is still secured at the shore. And uh, also very grateful for the metaphor of eating the elephant with just, a, just a tiny bite at a time, just with a small spoon, because my, my feeling is, is that I, I cannot do anything else but that. I simply am not capable. If there are other things to be done, if there are bold, large, and there, there may be bold, large things that we can do, I know that that's not what I can do. And uh, I want to be comfortable with that. Uh, I want to not be ashamed that that is all that I can do. And um, your talk um, gives me comfort. It helps me feel like I, I still may be on the path uh, instead of all this kind of floundering that I know there's something to do. I don't know what it is, right? So I wanna, I wanna just thank you for that very much. You're welcome, Eileen. I think you're raising what many of us are experiencing. Is that is we want to we want to understand ourselves. We want to see about offering something, and we recognize that there's something more that we need to pay attention to in ourselves, in order to um, be genuine and um, make the offering that we need has a benefit for ourselves and for others. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, help looks like trying to be a savior, which is what my family member was also charged with. You're just trying to be a savior, and yeah, that doesn't doesn't sit well with people. Thank you so much for your offering today, Suzanne. Hello, Chris. Hi, Suzanne. Good to see you. you know, good to see you. Good to see everybody. Um, I, I thought I'd come forward um, actually to take us back to Becky because um, I, I thought Becky um, like offered us a very good live demonstration of skillful means. <clears throat> Someone came into the room, not a good time. Hey, can you come back a little later? With immediacy and spontaneity and complete, completely ordinary, and very natural, and it got the job done. Everyone was happy and didn't require, you know, <clears throat> what can happen to me a lot. like. All of a sudden, a lot of intervention of thinking, 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 strategizing, planning or over planning, just with that kind of naturalness. And so I think it sometimes can be like that. And usually it's a good indicator for me when I'm um, uh, um, trying to come up with skillful means is when like actually what I'm doing is like I'm kind of holding myself back from jumping right into the thing in which skillful means kind of emerge very naturally. It's like I, then I'm kind of out of the way and I'm just in it. But when I'm strategizing, thinking about something like it's, it's 
becomes me-centered. Even if I'm trying to come up with ways to help, you know, some skillful means to, like, help out, then something else happens when I step out of that and just jump right in. And then it's like, Becky, hey, can you come back a little later? Yeah, no problem. Right there. Well, I, I'm really glad you brought that back, Chris, because what you're speaking to is how important modeling is for us so that we know we're not alone in this. We don't have to come up with this all by ourselves because I think that's how we get into the strategizing of um, trying to, you know, figuring everything out. But when we have somebody like Becky come forward and just spontaneously demonstrate, you know, without thinking, I'm going to demonstrate how to do this with people, but rather, you know, this is, this is the stuff of life. Here it is. Then we can go, oh, that's how simple it can be. You know, Flint's always saying, how simple can we make this? You know, this is how simple it can be. But the impact of it is kindness and respect and regard. Right? Yeah. Oh, I have all kinds of very complicated ways to make it simple. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, it is simple. So thank you. And thanks, Becky. Yeah, thank you for bringing that back. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Suzanne, and, and thank you so much for your talk. Um, the um, uh, phrase about the elephant and taking it one bite at a time really hit me. I was just writing in my journal before the inquiry about um, my arts, me and my art studio. So this is skillful means with myself and how, um, you know, I get, um, I'm pretty tethered to the shore. In other words, the shore, the, the rest of the apartment and not the studio. Um, and, um, you know, the idea that of taking it very slowly and one small thing at a time is very helpful because I'm all the way at the end of, well, what is this painting gonna look like? And is it going to be a good paint? It's all about the end product and fear, a lot of fear. And um, when you were talking to Cassie about what what uh, this dilemma inside herself, what would, what, how is it benefiting her? And um, I guess the fear would be keeping me safe from whatever I'm expecting to go through in there. It just sounds awful. It sounds like a torture chamber rather than a playroom. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I would like to um, untether myself and have a, um, a nicer, you know, kinder relationship with um, time I could spend in there, you know, enjoying, enjoying it and expressing myself. These things seem very far from um, me at the moment, so. So the first thing that comes to mind is um, a number of years ago, probably in the early 90s, there was a movie made about Jackson Pollock, the painter. And one scene uh, just stayed with me this whole time. I remember a number of other things because he was such a tragic character and tragic life. But one scene was of him in his studio, standing in front of a large, paint, a large canvas and just standing there. 
and he would be he was known for standing in front of his canvases for hours just hours and then when he felt his whole body be ready for it he'd pick up his brush and he'd start flicking paint at the canvases and you know whether we like jackson pollock or that type of painting or result or not it, and you got the message clearly there wasn't a result in mind. There was a process in mind. There was a, oh, I'm, I'm giving myself to this in mind. It was a it was quite the telling kind of, um, uh, exhibit of that embodiment of process. Does that make sense? Yeah, almost a, a meditative um, beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Other thing I was really struck with was what you said about being tethered to your studio. Um, an, an embodied um, action might be to tie a rope up to something in your studio and tie it around your waist and literally feel what it feels like to be tethered. And then when you're ready, untie it. Don't have to think about it, just get the feel of it in your body. Untie it. That's the way we we guide ourselves into the, the shift that we're looking for or that we're hoping to create. Because we can't, generally can't think our way out of that sort of thing. That that's that's very helpful. Um, because um you go from, I guess, being held back to allowing some kind of uh, freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And playful, being playful with ourselves about Play it. And playful. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes so serious, right? Yeah, it becomes a, a job, a job that you don't, that you're not, not anticipating liking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you bring one of your uh, paintings to us sometime. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you. Welcome. L little bites. Mm Ah, Trudy and Josh. Oh, hello, Trudy and Josh. Oh, Hi. Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, me. I had, um, okay. I had. There's something about the uh, bite at a time I really like, and then I just had a question: Is why do we want to eat the elephant? <laughs> <laughs> and in my and in and I was having more of a kind of an embodied image of getting under the carpet and lying with my head on the elephant and sort of because it was like if you eat the elephant to transform what has been exiled what's been kept outside of you then then eat it but there was something for me about that kind of like are we eating it to get rid of it or so I, I just had like, yeah, why are we eating the elephant? Mm -hmm. Elephants, 
Heavens, lovely. <laughs> So what what kind of metaphor is it for you, Trudy? Um, I I think that it's something about getting to know, being really intimate with the wholeness of the elephant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that has a, a stronger feeling for me of of that. There is something about that, like resting my head on, mm -hmm. like. Just, yeah, something about feeling it, feeling all of it, rather than feeling like it. I think I don't want it to be a job. Yeah, I don't want it to be a task to eat a whole bloody elephant. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, how do I befriend my elephants? I think there's probably a whole herd of them under the carpet. <laughs> As it is for many of us, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm expecting a poem from you out of this, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for just raising all of that and yeah really helping me think about what what does skillful means feel like because it's a I, I think cj was pointing to it it's a, it feels to me like it's a feeling like it comes from a place of flow or connection mm -hmm. it's not an idea mm -hmm. so really help me connect with that thank you mm -hmm. thank you very much mm -hmm. thank you thank you trudy thanks for that a good closer for our time today. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's um, recite, uh, chant the practice principles together. Another of the acknowledgments of uh, the path of skillful means. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, be in just this moment, compassion's way. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for being here. Take care. I Thank you so much, Suzanne. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, everybody, for being here today. And if you'd like to make a contribution to Appamada and its programs and facilities, please do go to the calendar at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And there you'll see an opportunity to make a one-time payment or to sign up for monthly payments. So thank you all so much. And if you'd like to stay on to continue to meet and share please do join myself and others for a further 30 minutes thank you all so much thank you again suzanne